1: Hey everybody. Welcome back to the Circling the Bases podcast, the official fantasy baseball podcast from NBC Sports Edge. I'm your host, Matt Williams. Joining me on the show is my good friend, John Legaza, Mr. MLB Moving Averages. You can find him at MLB Moving AVG on Twitter. John, what is up? Matt, it's so good to see you, man. I haven't run into you since you got the gig.
2: Congratulations. And I want to really take a second to highlight the articles you've been doing. I've been listening to the show every week, but the article series you're doing every week right now, I know I can guarantee you one nomination for series of the year. It's it's really excellent. I'm not sure anyone else is doing the labor of love that you're doing, in particular with the sticky stuff, Matt. It's very important. It, you know the handicapping I do. It's a, it's a new data point. It's very important stuff, and a lot of people are just kind of you know brush past it as if it never happened. So I appreciate the work that you did. I've built off some of it. It's really important stuff. So really, two thumbs up, man. You you really crushing it.
1: I appreciate that. I mean, well, I will say, I got to say, I'll, I'll let some people off the hook this year because there's so many things Yeah, with the lower core ball and yeah. the sticky stuff and the, you know, the different, you know, the, the whether that's affecting someone's spin or their grip yeah. and, and it's like a lot. So I can understand a lot of people just like throwing their hands in the air yeah. <laughs> and be like, you know what? I'll let someone else do it. You know what? Or, or uh, you know, you go off projections or something. I can understand why yeah. this year would be a bit much with COVID and it's, it's it's crazy. But yeah, I don't know. I love, you know me, I'm a nerd. I love digging into this stuff.
2: But, but even a little bit more, you did such a great job of, even with all this investigating you did and you found, uh, you know, red flags and that's all you call them. It was not points of blame or saying this or that because you made sure to stress that these are also professionals that are going to be making changes, trying to adapt to it. Right. They're not going to just give up. And, you know, we saw Garrett Cole, right. He was under the spotlight and then we saw some changes. So again, like you said, it's, it's very, it's a very difficult thing and it's very nuanced. It's very layered, but I know I'm appreciating that work you're doing every week. It, it, to me, it's, it's the highlight of baseball articles right now. You really, you're really, really killing it. It really is the thing to read right now. Seriously. All
1: right. So this is the, uh, the weekend recap. All right, we've got- there is some good stuff this weekend. There is some bad stuff this weekend, like always. Do you want to do the good news or the bad news? How or what do you want to start, John? I'm where just you want to bad news? Guy, bad I'm a bad news guy. Give me all right. Day. I'm wearing the Mets hat. Let's go, <laughs> yeah. let's go with uh, the bad news here. Uh, Francisco Lindor, yeah. um, oblique. You know, he didn't even get out of the batter's box, swings, hurts his, hurts his side. Um, he said he's not day to day, he wish he could say he was, he's week to week. Yeah. And we all know how oblique's go. I'm assuming 4 to 6 weeks, um yeah. which will, you know, put him out until you know, basically September. Yeah. <laughs> you know, at this point by the time he's he's back it'll be end of August. Yeah. Uh so he, he was just I mean he really was starting to turn his season around. Uh, as as horribly as his start as he uh, started, he got back to like about a league average runs created plus, which just shows you how, you know, much he fought to get back. Uh the Mets are healthy now, so it may not hurt them offensively as much as you would think because they've been with you know Michael Cafordo's back everyone you know Jeff McNeil's back everyone's back um but I don't know Francisco Lindor's out <laughs> I, yeah. I, I i don't know uh i don't know if this hurts any fantasy teams it may have i don't know if it uh, it buries some that are really counting on a turnaround from him but you, you know you were already getting inferior stuff from from Lindor but uh how's your team's doing uh, in general for yeah, this year with, with the injuries
2: I have Lindor on a critical home league team, and like you said, I was so patient with it, and because of the draft cost, I tolerated it. And then he just started to turn it around, and you're like, yes, this is a perfect scenario, especially with the Mets getting all of their secondary and tertiary players back. He's really going to take off. And, yeah, it just got deflated right there. And then you mentioned again the injury is not long enough to be an auto drop, but not short enough to – Know that we got to hold him, so it's really just been a very difficult. It's been a very difficult role. It's,
1: it's a rough spot if you're in a league with no IL, which there's a lot that's I, a popular. I have spell. to hold
2: him. I'm tr- I'm trying my best. I have to hold him, but I could see him getting away. Right? Yeah. Man, it's really a tough spot. It's such a tough spot.
1: It is Uh Jacob Degrom. He goes on the injured list with forearm strain. This is a worry because, in his own words, he's he's gone through a lot of injuries this year. Yeah. A lot of them. Uh, a lot of very different ones, and they've all been due to swinging the bat. But he says not this time. Um, He has forearm strain. Again, he had an MRI completely clean, which I don't think I've ever seen a player have this many injuries and never actually be injured. Not saying he's not injured, but MRIs are always coming back clean, which is great. Yeah, But you don't want to see this forearm strain, obviously, with a pitcher, and he says it's not from hitting Therefore. It must be from pitching, unless he was like eating his spaghetti too aggressively. Um, you know, the forearm strain uh, is coming from pitching. So I, I don't know. This isn't actionable. You're not dropping Jacob to deGrom. So you know, it's just it, it is what it is. Um, you gotta just take your medicine. This is this is the way it's gonna be the rest of the season. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. I was doing a little bit of research on it myself, and it you know sounds like it's recurring
2: tendon related issues. So these things are chronic. But, again, they're not completely debilitating. So you nailed it. You're just really kind of stuck with it. You hope that they won't make like a midweek announcement he's going to be starting on a Sunday so that at the very least you'll get all the starts that he gives out. But, yeah, other than that, I think if you had the Grom, you were hopefully thinking about having a a back-end starter, even if it's a Mills or an Alzelay, you know, guys like that, that maybe you could plug and play if you needed to. Because, like you said, he's – you know, this is the third – right, third – Start, we've had the lead already or fourth. So at that point, it's a concern.
1: Yeah. Let's, um, let's say that we'll get into the, the starts for the week in a bit, but just to throw out one, let's say you had a back end starter like Tyler McGill is just teammate. Yeah. Are, uh, are you comfortable starting him this week at home versus Toronto?
2: Oh, no. No, I didn't know. It'll
1: be a big test for the kid because for people doing good.
2: audio only, I went from a shaking. Yes, I'm very comfortable with this to a no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. My comfort level has has dropped precipitously. I mean, if you have to, he's, he's very good. He is. And it's not a knock on the kid. He's actually very good. And I believe he will stick, meaning I believe he he will be here next year. But that has been an auto-fade for me, those Blue Jays, particularly right now. Again, Matt, I point to my handicap and work often because I'm, I'm on top of these things with the electron microscope every day. Yeah. The Blue Jays are dangerous as is, but I give you a good example, the Houston Astros. Right now, the Astros are really kind of struggling. There are times when you can go after good, really good teams the Blue Jays are smoking hot right now and it's the center of the lineup smoking hot right now. So I would rather throw an effective reliever than anyone at the Blue Jays. It's not a knock on McGill because if somebody has dropped him or he's available, you're, 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 adding him.
1: It's funny. You're talking about teams that you absolutely should fade. Uh, we have a, we have a very vast audience on uh, circling the bases. We have the 10 team, 12 team, 15 team, low stakes, high stakes, what have you. Um, for anyone who follows the NFBC, just because this this is hilarious to me, apparently, like, I don't know what the number was. It was an extraordinarily high amount of people in the NFBC main event, which is theoretically these are the people that are the most confident in their game. There's a lot of sharp players, and then I'll also not sharp players who just have money. Uh, but Mike Fultonavich was started today versus the Blue Jays in, like, an astounding amount of leagues. And he, of course, got his doors blown off. So. <laughs> You know, yeah. I don't I don't really do
2: these things, man. I really don't. You follow my Twitter handle pretty closely. I keep it pretty close to the vest. I'd make sure to tweet out if you, what were you expecting? You yeah. got what you deserve. Well, here, sorry, it's you deserve.
1: one thing to start a good pitcher against the Blue Jays. Agreed. It's another thing to start a guy like Tyler McGill, who you're maybe if desperate, you're hoping. Still a mistake, but hoping. It's another thing to start Mike who you yeah. shouldn't, who you should think about starting against the Pirates. Yeah, you know, so the deal for me in the Blue Jays
2: is give me five and a third, four earned runs, five strikeouts. So he's—I don't think he gets abused. I—I I have that four earned runs for almost anybody. Like anybody short of a top twenty SP, I'm going to pencil in the Blue Jays for three to four earned runs between five and six. So. Yeah. Should except be. when you get to these outer region starters dude fault a projection from me against the blue jays like i did was 3 to 4 innings 5 to 6 earned runs that's unpalatable and faulty showed us this. he's unpalatable you really should not have started him all the home run data all the every everything was there i'm sorry that's a huge mistake
1: uh more bad news It's like we're now out of the bad news portion of the no, program uh jazz hits home he went back yeah. trying to make a fantastic play on Sunday, reaches back, tries to dive backwards, injures his shoulder. Looked terrible if you watched yep. it live. Yeah, uh, They called it a left shoulder contusion. They had the MRI, did come back negative. I haven't seen a timeline for this. Have you seen a timeline yet?
2: No, no, no. Although uh, the one thing I have done is taken a bit of a sigh of relief because the Twitter doctors were very worried at first. And again, you know, people are getting very good at watching videos and being able to diagnose these things, at least somewhat.
1: People were yelling out for the year when this thing happened. Yeah,
2: yeah. That's exactly right because of what he was holding and the way he needed to be helped. And again, I'm not a doctor and pretend to be, but I do listen to smart people and I was worried. I didn't, you know, look, I didn't drop him during those eight minutes before all the rest of the news came out. But no, they have not. Put out anything definitive. It just looks a little bit brighter than it did, and hopefully, another couple of days with inflammation subsiding. Maybe we'll get some good news, and it'll just be a minimum aisle stint. I think he's going to go in the IL. Matt, I just I'm hoping it's not you know eight weeks like we've been through before.
1: Yeah, I mean, you hope for the best. You're, you know, you know, we're going to see what happens um, after the inflammation goes down because there's there's a lot of injuries where if there's tons of inflammation. You actually don't catch everything. The right. inflammation goes down, all of a sudden you see something else. But Chaz home uh, 252 batting average this year, 11 home runs, 11 stolen bases. He's been fantastic. Yep. He's got to be up there in the Rookie of the Year voting along with his teammate, Trevor Rogers. Uh, yep. So, yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully he gets better. Uh, just going into some good news. We had some call-ups this weekend. Uh, well, last week, technically, Jaron Duran did not get to play until the weekend yeah. due, to, <laughs> due to circumstances. Cool. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, one day COVID next day benched, but, uh, yeah, he comes up. Brandon Marsh comes up for angels, which was a pleasant surprise. Uh, Duran, I guess was a surprise at the time, but again, uh, there was a couple of days before we actually got him. Marsh was like, you know, surprise—he's playing today, yeah. like an hour beforehand. Who are you more excited about, Duran or Marsh? And it has nothing to do with how many shares you have, because I know you have a lot of shares of Marsh. I do say- have
2: quite a bit of Marsh. I, I think it's my answer just because the amount of run I think, and mm-hmm. I, I think the need for the Angels is a bit greater, where I think Marsh gets the more playing time. Although uh, Arroyo just went down today, and we didn't—we don't know the severity. So the Boston infield was getting kind of crowded, so that could open up a spot. They've been they've been kind of versatile, but my initial take was Marsh is going to get a better, a more run, and he's a chance at. Parking up right behind Otani, where mm-hmm. I think Duran is going to be looking at it back. You know, the, again, the Boston lot is very good. I don't think he's going to crack the top third or the top half even. Where Marsh, I, I didn't see the line of placement. Shame on me. I really. I think sure he will. was.
1: I want to say he was like seventh today.
2: That okay. That's okay. I think, but I still think the door is open for him to move forward because yep. that middle of the yeah, the Angels lineup is. I'm not sure what the word is. It's like quirky, right? It's like a blue collar. They have a blue collar thing to them. They're okay. They there's, room,
1: there's room for a star in there. Yeah,
2: okay. <laughs> that's very well put. I like the Angels, and I like teams that get it done like that. But, again, if we're talking about Fletcher and Ward, there's room in the six hole or the five hole. So that's yeah. that's, that's what I was getting at. There's probably more prime real estate available in Marsh's case.
1: Uh, in either case, um, they should be picked up on all formats. Yeah. As we always like to say on the show – just because we say they should be picked up in all formats doesn't mean you necessarily have to. Don't yeah. drop a superstar for them. Some, when we say it should be owned in all formats, should be should be rostered in all formats, it means someone in your league should roster them. They shouldn't yeah. be a free agent. So it's got to make sense. But that being said, these are two really good players. You yeah. probably can find room on your team for them. There's yeah. probably someone I'd rather drop this year. Yeah, Soto. Um, Juan Soto. I don't know where I'm really going with this because like he's available in your league.
2: Favorite player,
1: I love him. He, he went, he went to the home run derby and said, "quote I hope this fixes my swing." Rather I than, love,
2: oh, I love him. I love him so much. It, he makes me so happy, man. He, I take my own path. i like that's me. I don't really beat by other people's drums. So to hear that, man, just I have a Juan Soto shirt, which I guess people don't know me that well. That's a really big deal. I have not owned a piece of baseball apparel. That's not New York Yankees. Matt, I honestly cannot remember, and I have an Air Soto shirt. I love Juan Soto, and he was my pick for second-half MVP just based on he was the best player that did the least, and I was so happy that he was not letting that kind of get in his head. Also, we've seen Guerrero come out now and start spanking the ball, so hopefully we've put that narrative to rest now, I think. Right. I mean, Alonzo has not been critical of it, so I, I hope that's gone, that that story.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, Juan Soto, he's, he hit three home runs over the weekend, so his batting average is up over 280. He had a really poor start. I didn't think he deserved to be in the All-Star game, which is weird. I mean, it, all things considered, who yeah, cares? Yeah, yeah, I, I got, you, um, I, got you, I got you. But whatever, uh, he, he, he's swinging like an All-Star now. Yeah. Put on a show versus Otani in the Home Run Derby. It's fantastic. He hit a big one today, did you see?
2: Yes. He had a big home. That was a big home run today, man. Down one, bottom eight. Uh, he had a big home run off Pagan. I think it was off Pagan. So, you know, that's what you want from your superstars, right? In those really tough spots, giving other people's fits, and then causing the damage. So it's like it's a, all things go for him now.
1: First rounders really shouldn't be traded unless you're in a position where you have a lot of injuries the rest of your league doesn't and you just have to, like, recoup multiple players. Yeah, you had an opportunity to get Juan Soto, um, and that's gone now. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. if you're watching this your opportunity uh, probably ended at the at the home run derby but um there was an opportunity to buy and yeah. uh that's gone. Yeah. Uh let's go with JD Davis. No, a more multiple home runs. JD Davis for the New York Mets which is a very interesting guy to talk about for many reasons. So let's dig into it. He comes into this year, you know, after last year and this year he's kind of a man without a position. They had him in left field terrible, at third base not as bad, still terrible. Um he bat he was batting like 3.80 Uh, before going on the injured list with a finger issue that he was coming back from in 10 days and then coming back from in 15 days and then 20 days. And he ended up missing two months with his finger issue, goes on a rehab assignment a month ago, hits a couple of home runs, goes back on the injured list, gets pulled back, goes back on his rehab assignment recently, hits like, you know, a few home runs, a few doubles. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just crushing the ball, comes back, gets activated and immediately hits two home runs. His first game back versus the Pirates. Uh, Mets manager Luis Rojas says that he's not going to be playing every day. This was before Francisco Lindor went down, so I don't know if that's necessarily the case anymore. Yeah. Either way, he should be playing every day. He's hitting over 400 now. He is a beast. Um, ever since he made those adjustments a couple of years ago, last year was a little bit of an anomaly. He still had an on-base percentage of like 380 last season, even with a low batting average, and he's back up to killing it this year. He absolutely should be rostered in all formats. At-bats could be an issue, but with Lindor down, I don't think they will be. And there's also the possibility he ends up getting traded because the Mets have a lot of things and a lot of moves they have to make uh, for starting pitching and maybe upgrading defense and left field or third base. Chris Bryant's coming, you know, they've talked about even bringing Trevor Story in at this point, putting him at short and moving him to third. When Lindor returns, there's a lot of moving pieces and, you know, JD Davis at Coors would be awesome, uh, but anyway, JD Davis. What what are your thoughts there? I don't know if you have any shares, but well, uh, I, I do. You and I, you and I were both pretty high in him going into the last two seasons.
2: I mean, with good reason. And just yeah, that I saw that pitch that hit him on the finger, and I'm not sure there's anything more frustrating. Uh, probably for the player as well, because he um, he feels great, right? He probably wakes up and he feels got like a million dollars and his finger is banged up, mm-hmm. and that's keeping you off the field, right? You gotta grip the bat and all that stuff. So I'm so glad to see him back because I actually have a ton of Davis rostered. You really got my the wheels turning. I I had never considered him being traded because the Mets have had injuries now with Lindor, I think. Diorme is fantastic defensively, but he probably leaves something to be desired with offense. You mentioned the Mets getting back all their other pieces. J.D. Davis being a big part of that. So I don't know if I I, like. To me, I automatically thought, wow, this is great for him. He's locked in. Every single day, and I think he's going to be a stud the second half. And then you mentioned Trevor Story, and I was like, Oh, and again, went from shaking one way to shaking the other way. Because if you're going to get Trevor Story in Queens, you move JD Davis, you make him a really nice gift basket, you know, and get him a nice card.
1: And one thing is, as a Mets fan, a lot of Mets fans want Chris Bryan. I'm always on the opinion that I don't want to move Chris JD Davis. Um, he's great too. I, mean, I don't know if this seems crazy because I, again, I'm very realistic with my own players on my favorite team. J.D. Davis is just as good a hitter as Chris Bryant, and uh, this is a fact. Yeah. Um, a lot of people don't want to say right. Chris Bryant's a much better fielder, so that's like a different part of the equation. Yeah. But J.D. Davis is, if you don't want to say he's just good a hitter, he's very, very close. He just, okay. he just is. Yeah. If, if people don't understand that, you don't watch him enough. Um, the big difference there is he's under team control for, I want to say, three or four more years, yeah. and that is a huge thing. Yeah. Um, but either way, we're talking about fantasy right now. I mean, you know, whatever, if he needs to be traded, he's going to be traded, which will be good for his at-bats. Probably a lot of people are worried about maybe his at-bats with the Mets because Luis Rojas comes out and says he's not going to play every day. That was before Lindor went down. I think he is a guy you should try to go buy high on, uh, in this case, if there's someone that's worried about his playing time or the fact that he was out this long with an injury, and you need some uh, what? What's his? He had a quote there. If he um, about banging the ball, I mean that's all he's gonna when do. When I get a so. chance to bang, I bang. And it's, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> hey, Who see? works to live by, man? So uh, yeah, go out and try to. Get, I buying high is an interesting thing because they think they're getting one over on you. Um, trying to trade you a player they think will drop off. You're like, ha ha, you're an idiot. This guy's going to continue to be what I what I thought. So, buying yep. high is an interesting trade thing that's not talked about enough. Uh, I'd go get JD Davis and at least kick the tires if you're in a trade league.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think realistically, his ceiling, rest of the way, is 3B5 or 3B6. Hard to beat that. And again, like you said, if you're, you know, a piece like Brian is nice, but what are you getting? In real life terms, I think they need a pitching before they would need, you know, if I was calling the Cubs, I'd be asking about Kyle Hendricks and not. Uh, not Chris Bryan. That's just me. I think, you know, I'm I'm on picture.
1: Uh, Yeah, they absolutely, especially with the DeGrom news. And there's something we talked about too with JD Davis. And this is a lot of other players too. Um, Advice to live by. I mean, you, John talk about this all the time when it, when a top prospect fails, but then is good down the line. I don't question it as much. If you were supposed to be great and then you turn great, what's the problem? Yeah. I mean, it's weird when people come out of the blue, like Charlie Blackman. Uh, but when JD Davis, a guy who won the batting title in the minor leagues right. uh, ends up coming to New York in 2019 and tears the cover off the ball, both power and batting average, you know, I expect it. Is he going to hit 400 the rest of the way? No, yeah. but he's going to hit above 300 and hit a ton, think, of, hit sure. a ton of bombs. <laughs> sure. And And what you paid for him, it's totally valuable.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I think JD Davis is a great piece going for, for 25 years mike's has been making lemonade the hard way mike's hard lemonade hard days deserve a hard lemonade mike's is hard so is prison don't drive drunk premium all beverage with flavors all registered trademarks used under license by mike's hard lemonade company chicago illinois
0: the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble
1: Yeah. All right, before we get into uh, the main topic of the show, we're actually gonna talk about sports betting, mlb betting for a little bit. But um for the week coming up here, everyone's looking to possibly stream some stu part, stu, two parts two starter. start pitchers. <laughs> stupid. If I can if I can speak, Freudian. that's what I'm hoping, hoping to do. Uh <laughs> everyone, if you want to stream, it's been difficult to try to set lineups because the ML yeah. no one has had their stuff together, everyone keeps changing their minds. Yeah. But as far as I can tell. Uh, these five pitchers are wildly available in in most formats, and um, at least in standard formats, twelve team, fifteen team. You know, it's the dredges. So we're talking about twelve team here. All right, uh, John, we're gonna go yay or nay. If you have any thoughts, we can go deeper. Uh, Ross Stripling, uh, he's got two starts uh, at home versus Boston, and then at the New York Mets. Stripling not as terrible as he appeared to be last year.
2: I actually think that's I think that that palatable, but I think all these are prefaced with. I am not a streamer by nature. If I have a starter that I like, I would always prefer that than getting cute in particular with this season because of the scheduling that you have seen. Matt, we've seen people chase starters that don't even get the second start, and they end up just getting one blow up. So that is not something I like to deal with. Stripling has been very good, and again, he has the backing of the offense. So I, I think that one is palatable.
1: Okay. Um Caleb Smith, who uh wildly wild by nature, went to the bullpen, comes back. It's been decent. Yeah. Uh I, I you know, maybe they can try to Toronto should pick him up. Maybe uh Robbie, they can pull a Robbie Ray. Yeah. Uh he's got Pittsburgh and at Chicago, Chicago Cubs.
2: Man, you know, I believe it or not, I think my answer is no. And I, I didn't really dive into this stuff, obviously. It was just kind of quick. But I do know the pirates right now are not really who we want to be messing with because it's something I've talked about on my show, and I was just talking to Chris Meany about it. People constantly chasing jerseys when looking for matchups.
1: Look for this sine wave throughout the season.
2: And right <laughs> they, now, they look
1: at well, they're not necessarily the jersey. They look at the entire season to see pirates dead last and run scored rather you know, than right. like the last Yeah, 30, I'm oversimplifying. You, you are right. But mm-hmm. within these terrible seasons,
2: there are waves of success. In particular, in particular, something I center a lot of my handicapping around Matt is discipline. I just happen to have this up, so this is for the month of July, right? So you figure that's probably like four hundred play appearances. I don't want to use the last seven because we had days out. Okay, so I went back to July. The Pittsburgh Pirates are one of the best offenses in the league right now, and it's it's kind of, you know it's hard to believe, but again, when we just talk numbers and we're not talking about one or two days. So the Pittsburgh Pirates right now have the best disciplinary basket in the league when you account for everything, that's including the Dodgers and the Astros. 19% K to 10.5% walk, that is top's K-walk minus as a team. They have the best CSW as an offense, they have a top three chase rate at 27%, and they have a top two in-zone contact rate of 89%. They're top five in home runs, top five in average OBP, with a team OPS of 800 the past 400 plate appearances. That's not like a streaming target. That's not, that's the opposite of what we're looking for. So I always like to tell, be careful, particularly looking for strikeouts, because that's what I am looking for when I stream is mediocre performances with lots of strikeouts. I don't think you're getting that. I'm not picking on the Pirates right now.
1: Uh, let's just say your you're team, you need, you need, you know, you need starts, you need wins. Uh, but, you know, you want to be, you want to avoid any kind of bad blowups or anything. Caleb Smith, Pittsburgh, Chicago. Would you rather have Eric Lowers one start against the Royals?
2: Yes, absolutely. I have Eric Lauer. I'm adding him in a few places today. Again, man, I wish I, I, if I knew these were coming, I would have had a little bit more for each. I know Lauer is doing a lot of things that I like, because I know I, I, again, Matt, part of the program. We're probably talking about the betting part. Is I developed this to avoid my own biases, and I was looking to go after Eric Lauer, and was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know exactly what's going on. Again, I, that would be part of the noosh I would need to dive into, but he's been very good. So give me Lauer with a kind of weak Royals offense.
1: Uh, Nick Pavetta at Toronto, dun, 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 and versus the Yankees.
2: Nah, I don't think he can do it because there's a possibility for two blowups there. And Pavetta is I'm, – I'm afraid because, Matt, you know, I liked him. I was pumping him more because of the price. Right? He has exceeded what I expected from him. Yeah. I I was hoping for innings at the price. That's what I got. I he's starting to revert a bit back, and I think Toronto is the kind of team that would expose that. So what if yeah, you had, had Nick Pavetta in
1: that Nick Pavetta in that two step or uh, Andrew Heaney at Minnesota? Ooh, man, I'm trying to give people various levels. Like these of-
2: are realistic options, man. I think I'm gonna have to dive again on probably this specific with Minnesota on lefties. But I probably take I probably take the one, you know I probably take I probably take the one with what I thought would be more quality Yeah
1: okay Uh Mar- Marco Marco Gonzalez
2: uh, no I'll give you the first <laughs> no other
1: is the one other. other one of one of them's at Colorado <laughs> zero okay zero
2: I'll take the zero I'll take the bullpen Marco Gonzalez has been one of the worst starters in the league I he you know man we were talking about adapting I believe he. Has been slow to the adaptation. Well, I it's think, funny. I like this
1: conversation because there's some people in in the in play fantasy who just think this two starts is no. such a huge thing. No, and no, it's no. it's it, it's such fool's gold. Yeah, it's such fool's gold. Yeah. You know uh, and our one last one is the
2: most. Is I I have a, I have one head to head points league. Yeah. Which quantifies these things, right? I mean, again, they're not perfect, and I'm not saying mm-hmm. they are, but they do. We apples to apples quantify these starts. And there's a lot of times that your guy gets out of the first start and you have like a point or two and you're thinking what why did I do that it's it, you did it for the two baseballs people who play CBS know what I mean when you have a start you have a baseball next to the starter's name and it feels really good to have more player starts remaining than the other team and I think that's the point of it I I pretty much bet I have really I have focused on having a deep rotation from day one where i don't want to stream i'm the, i'm just not a streamer by nature i'm into de- i'm the type to carry no bats and all arms you know I
1: think people, cool. um you don't have to do your own projections just sit there and do your own napkin math if you have two starts write down your priorities are you looking for wins which obviously two starts are better than one if you're looking for sure. wins that's a priority if you're looking for strikeouts though i mean write down what you expect Versus like, if you're going to like, you know, the Heaney versus Pavetta thing, write down what you expect from each pitcher, what you expect to get in the two starts versus the one and, yep. you know, make your decision just be like, oh, two starts is great. That being said, here's an interesting one to end the two starts. Tristan McKenzie, who looked fantastic before the break. Uh, he's scheduled to go at Houston versus Tampa Bay. Not the best matchups in the world, but he looked good. Um, he, if, uh, I guess it depends on the team you had, whether you want to take the risk, but that. I think is a hair pulling out your hair kind of situation, whether you want to do the two step with McKenzie. Yeah, I man, that one, that one has appeal to it mm-hmm. because
2: we know the strikeout pitch is there. And again, even though Houston is very good, right now Houston's kind of in the tank. So Matt, I take you back to that same since July. Houston is bottom two in batting average. Bottom they actually have the worst team OBP in the league, and they have a bottom three OPS. They generally don't strike out. At, at all, they're striking out right now. They generally walk a ton. They're not really walking. So you can kind of see it. Houston is, it looks like they're pressing. The batted ball quality is not even there. So that one feels a little more palatable. Although, man, McKenzie, you better, you have to take those first couple starts and just amputate them because. He had one of the worst power a lot of profiles I remember seeing in a, quite a while. You know, power mm-hmm. rates up near 20 with walk rates up in the high teens. Those are unpalatable. But we saw he could be very good. So Cleveland, I, I, I believe in that organization. So I, I think I think that one could be valuable. But okay. not a 5 pick choice.
1: All right, so uh, that'll do it for the week ahead. Uh, for our, our, our main topic, we're going to spend a couple of minutes here just talking about sports betting because that is what our boy John does. Yeah. Yeah, That'll be moving averages. It's all about it's all about betting on baseball, and yeah. you know, and if you're if you're not subscribed to NBC Sports Edge Premium, do it. We have all sorts of fun uh, tools for betting, and John's going to talk to you a little bit about now. Just I want you to like just take take the reins and run with it right now. I mean, okay. give rigid. out for let's just say someone's not into it. You know, they love fantasy baseball. Maybe their team's out of it. They're just listening to this because they love baseball. And uh, they just want a way to get involved on a normal basis. There's so many ways to do it now. Maybe just give them a few tips for beginners. I know you talked to me about your love of yeah. the F5 uh, yeah. that you tell your audience about. Just yeah, uh, yeah lay some uh, lay some knowledge on the audience.
2: Yeah. So I think I think first of all is I think it's okay to want to make money. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's one of the first things people hear. You know, betting, and it's like oh, there's almost like a stigma to these things. It's legitimate business, and that's fine. Again, a lot of us are spending time watching these games. So in your example, Matt, if we're speaking about somebody that loves fantasy and kind of follows, you already have command of pertinent material that can be transferred into profit. So where I come from, these are called marketable skills. And when you have marketable skills, it's okay to try and capitalize on them. Now, it it is very difficult. It's extremely difficult. And, you know, that goes for all risk ventures and Again, you know, I would love to tell people I'm very good at handicapping, which I think I am, but it's not because I can predict the future. It's because I'm very good at managing my money, and that's always at the key to it. So that's always the first thing is don't be afraid is one, but remember it's more about managing your money because we're all going to lose. There's plenty of losses. We're following a game where a 30% success rate could land you among the greats.
1: Well, yeah, I, I think you say it a lot, and it's many words, but I think it's important for people who just have stars in their eyes that think they're going to go out there and win a million dollars. It's not about winning big. It's about avoiding losing big.
2: Yo, uh, that, man, man, really, you could tell you've, you've heard some smart people talk about this stuff because that's really it. Um, if we could talk about that too, the reason, in my opinion at least, because what is real, the real fact is more than 99% of people who attempt this fail. And, you know, again, it's because of risk management. But that is because of expectations, which you just mentioned. The average better expects to take, up, let's say, $100, and they're going to double it on Monday and then double that on Tuesday and double that on Thursday and, then, you know, again, get to the million dollars without ever losing and ever going through a downslide. Uh, obviously, completely unrealistic. Where if you were to speak to a professional trader, like a legit professional trader, which I've, I've done, they would tell you a 9% profit is fantastic. So right there, just right there, Nine percent over a year, opposed to people looking to make a hundred percent daily. The expectation gap, let's call it, is beyond tra- traverse, which is why so many people fail. So just a little one, two, three, and that's why, right? It's not like, man, if only I understood this stat. If only I could understand these stats, I would never lose and I'd be able to bet professionally. That's yeah, not. I think,
1: I think people don't like anything, even like the fantasy sports industry. Getting in content-wise, I don't think people understand everything in life aside from winning the lottery, um, you have to work at it, you have to put in the work and it doesn't happen overnight. Um, like you said, the 9% ROI, right? You, you, you set a bankroll, which you have to play within your means and that 9% is not gonna be a lot, but as you get better and you're if you actually have discipline, you grow your bankroll and then all of a sudden that 9% is more. You have to commit to it though and you have to have a system, you have to be very disciplined because you can make money and you can people do make a living at this, but they are betting a lot, but it's because they're incredibly disciplined.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's, again, Matt, you could tell how how right over the target you were that I would say you're actually very close to being able to having the tools to starting your own business. And that's what I like to frame this as. People think of it as entertainment. And if you bet for entertainment, then make sure you're having fun doing it. I think that's the most important, right? If it's supposed to be fun. Slot, slot machines. Then have yep. fun. Sit doing. down
1: at the loudest machine that makes the most noise. Yeah. If
2: you want to be a professional equate it with a small business. And once I did that is really when my venture started to take off. So the very first important point that Matt already mentioned is in order to increase profits, we don't increase risk. We increase capital. Okay? So meaning, I, I'm going to give you personal rules. This is how I operate, people. I never have more than 2.5% of my total stack risked on a given night. That is a rule quite literally written in a written plan, which, again, is very boring, right? When people are selling tout packages, the last thing they talk about is disciplined risk, you know, and taking losses and stuff like that, because no one wants to hear that. People want, you know, Vegas Dave is carrying purple bags and he's in front of private planes, which is completely stupid. Anybody selling you that is it's snake oil, and they're looking for vulnerable people who are gullible,
1: right? I I mean, and I think people also overlook, even if you think you know something, if you're really confident – Stuff happens. You know, you, you, Oh, I love this bet. It can't lose. All of a sudden your pitcher gets hit on the wrist. Um, and it's done. It's sports. Things yeah. happen. Yeah. Anything can go in any direction. I
2: mean, man, it's great. You're, you're really a very good student of this knowingly or not, because that's the truth. And again, this also comes from wall street, a mistake that new betters and new traders make is they oftentimes add, um, indications as validation. So like, mm-hmm. I, um, I like the pitcher. if They're also at home. Um, they, they're very good at home, and they're very good against lefties, and he struggles against righties. You know, when they kind of build all these indicators. None of those things really, really make it more likely to happen. And when you get down to the brass tacks of it, truly, they're almost all 50-50 events, and that's what people hate to hear. So how do we take what I've said and kind of apply it? Pretty easily. With rules, Matt, I never, ever pay juice above, let's say, minus 150 for people unfamiliar because I know even that scares people. They see the board, they don't understand it. So when you see a minus, you are the favorite, and that's how much you have to spend to return 100. So minus 150 means you have to put out 150 to make 100. You're laying 50%. That's tremendous. People don't even think about that. I have 150. I don't even pay 150. Some people pay minus 210. The Yankees will regularly be minus 250. The Astros will regularly be minus 275. You know, these things happen all the time, even with bad pitchers. So rule number one, people, is do not pay premiums, okay? Look for your spots in games that are within minus 125 or better. Or again, if you see a plus, that means you can return more than you wagered. Now, why is that important? Because now you can hit less than 50% of your bets, and succeed so if you were to and again at ftn i I like it because they're very stringent we use a third-party verified system to log bets everything is time stamped and you know risk stamped right so i i i I put it in and it's it's locked in the vault so you could see you know man how you approach these things really careful you have to be all the time because guess what where am i sleep i have a losing record here Matt. wins and losses i have a losing record However, we're up over 9% profit loss. Okay, I want to build off one last thing for this. Because this is really great to have this platform where I have found I am like fighting against the tide of bad advice. Handicapping, the handicapping industry, Matt, listen, they're not going to fool you. You're too sharp. But they're salesmen and they prey on people. And a lot of the information is not good because they just want your sub money and then they really don't care. They're going to look to replace you. I really care in giving people the tools to make them better. Mm-hmm. So one one thing that will make you better, once now you know, you have to set a limit that you can risk every day is when you see these units, people, okay? If a you ask, ask yourself or the person involved what that unit means, ask them what it means. Because many people, Use the word "unit." It's a nebulous thing—a unit, if you will, right? I mean, nothing more nebulous than unit—a widget to like fool you. And and this, this is this materializes. You'll see it with um, a handicapper puts out twelve units of bets in a day, right? One unit on the Yankees, two units on the Astros, three units here, da da da. You can't risk twelve percent of your stack. So, me, where a unit is a percentile. My risks are a third of a unit, a half of a unit, because I, like I said, I'm only going to risk two percent. So I can only make four half unit bets to get me up to two units. How can you bet eleven percent of your stack every day? If you lose two or three days in a row, you're down more than that. And the reason is this. Again, I'm going to then this is the real lesson at the very core of this. Matt, we have a hundred dollars, and we lose ten percent. We have ninety. If we make 10%, how much do we have? We have 99. We don't have 100, okay? So whatever you lose, you have to work harder than that to get back. So if you are constantly on a loop to win 10, lose 10, win 10, lose 10, win 10, lose 10, guess where you end up? At zero. And that's the lesson that people have failed to understand, okay? No bet is better than a bad bet. It's like, oh, that's some cool kind of saying. No, it's because if you lose 10%, you need to make 11 to get it back. So you really need to be very stringent in your discipline, but also your selection when it comes to risk. That leads into the juice. That leads into your daily risk. So you asked me to take the reins. I hope there was some, at least some good stuff to take out of that. Because again, you're not going to hear that anywhere. You can't find that information anywhere. In fact, you want to know where you'll find information when you actually pay for a one-on-one consultation? That's what you end up hearing somebody going, all that other stuff is nonsense. And what, it's, what it comes down to is very boring risk management. And yes. last one, how do I apply it? You mentioned it. F5s, Matt, has been the key to my success. I've eliminated bullpens, if people are unfamiliar, F5, you could bet on just the first five innings, which, again, I don't need to explain, right, how you will eliminate the various bullpens. Usage plus the quality of pitcher is very bad. And then the extra inning rules are kind of wonky. So there and it's beautiful that.
1: because if you can get a quality pitcher – on the road as an underdog, it's just a fantastic bet.
2: <laughs> yeah. Now, now I remember seeing when you and I first started talking about this. And again, people, Matt, Matt is as sharp as a tool as a risk. So I was not only are we looking for underdogs to get that plus money, but what people are unaware of, because again, if you don't, no one ever talks about it, how would you know the nuances of F5 betting? There's a run line, which again is the spread. But in, in a five inning bet, everyone, the spread is a half a run. So that means is if you find an underdog you like you can cash your bet on a tie through five innings. And now that is where the fantasy knowledge comes in. Because we as a fantasy community are privy to pitchers earlier than the masses. Your JT BruBaker was an underdog all season. The whole first quarter of the season, he was the better pitcher on the mound and he was the underdog Every time uh, new knew Matt Boyd before he got hurt was an underdog every time. And this kind of goes on and on and on where now we're not even needing to win games, which can be very difficult, right? Closing out a game against a good team. We don't need that. We just need to be tied through five half the time. And that just really took it off because then we get into the things you and I mentioned earlier with bad team bias. You will see the giants are a perfect example. The Giants have the best team record in the national league. They're 20 to 1 to win the World Series. That just doesn't make sense. How could the best team be 20 to 1 to win a World Series? Because the public doesn't like the Giants. Las Vegas doesn't predict winners. Las Vegas sets the fulcrum on the scale where they believe even money will come in. And when unequal money comes in, they move that point on the lever. So, like, people always think Vegas is there to predict. Vegas is there to predict what you're going to do. So if you believe in your own work and you believe you have a sharp bet, you know what? Dollars to donuts, Matt. And I was I, I wasn't powdering you because I would ask you what plays you liked. Your plays were so sharp. Once I put you on to these five inning competitions, you're like, wait a minute, this is a bit, the better picture is the underdog. And there and there you have it. And that was kind of the road to success for me, really. You know, eliminating variables, being disciplined, and a lot of boring other stuff.
1: I'll still occasionally light a few dollars on fire on some, like, team parlay. <laughs> but, but, you know, I but mean... Entertain- see, but that's entertainment. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's entertainment.
2: <laughs> oh, but, you know, I would have loved to see you give it an honest whirl. But again, uh, you know what's funny? You were at least very honest. It, you understood the amount of time and, and, and the undertaking it, it is. is. Oh, yeah. Think-
1: I'll, I'll, I might make a go of it. Uh, I, yeah, I don't have the time. I understand the time it would take. And yeah. I don't, I don't have that time. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll put out a few and then I'll like, you know, I'll, I'll lose it all. Uh, you know what it is, is I, I buy my, my scratch off, which is my discipline betting right. and one of my winnings. I use that to buy a, uh, a to to put twenty dollars in the giant slot machine, yeah, yeah the yeah, one yeah. in the very front that's designed yeah, yeah, to take yeah. all your money. I'll go throw all my winnings in that, so I won't lose anything. But I'll pretty much flush, I'll flush my winnings into this giant you know, ticket. But I, hey, you know what? I'll end up cashing in one of them, and then it'll like be negative, you know, poor behavior reinforcement.
2: I, I had well, you know, man, another super really really important lesson, people. Just that it was self-explanatory, but don't let that slide out of this without taking that home. You can you can really be a victim of your own success. A lot of people I hear talk about it with golf swings. For me, Matt, believe it or not, it was actually trading futures. If people aren't familiar, futures trading is just high leverage cash trading. And I didn't really know what I was doing. And I started making like five or $10,000 every morning. So I felt like it was the easiest thing in the world. And I got my clock cleaned because I didn't know what I was doing. And I was doing it wrong. But because I had success, I figured that was the right way. And I kept kind of banging my head against the wall. So don't do that. But what you can do, and and this is another really good piece of advice, and again, something I did uh, that is very boring and that people don't like to hear, and bet on paper first. So here is my challenge to anybody out there. This is the the, 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 the Legazer challenge. You want to start betting. All you need is a pad and a pen. Give yourself the budget you were going to give yourself, whether it be a hundred dollars, $1, a thousand dollars, five thousand dollars, and remember what Matt said. You you have to invest in this. What you you know what you what you're going to get out what you put in. So if you wanted to open up a store, you very well can't open up a store with a hundred dollars. You need insurance and a, and a and a storefront and people and lights. You have to keep on air conditioning. To be a sports better, you don't need any of that stuff. So use that money to fund the small business. To make the 2%. But now that's with real cash. Before you get to real cash, here is the challenge. Bet on paper. And once you put together 90 days of profitable activity, then you go live. That's it. That easy. You know how many people start with live cash? They get beat up. They become victim of what I said before. They're down 40%. Now you need to make 50 to get it back. Making 50% is almost impossible. You know what I mean? On a sustained basis. And they end up one of the 99%. Where if you... We're doing it on paper. I'm going to bet twenty dollars in the Mets today, and you realize, oh, I didn't want to do that. Didn't cost you anything. In the ninety days, you revisit it, and if you didn't earn profitable in ninety days, then you save yourself the money. And if you're profitable in ninety days, then you go forward. To me, it's a win-win, and it's a very good way to practice in real time without the stress or you know the, the punishment of losing cash because it, it kills me. When people lose on my picks, it's just part of the game. You know what I mean you, you have to you have to stay in the arena. So i got another one why the discipline is so important. You know. All
1: right. um Hopefully, you got something out of that. I mean, run it back if you want to. You know, get into betting. I know John loves answering questions. Reach out to John on Twitter. I'm sure yeah 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 he'll be happy to talk to you uh, as well. And um he has a, a very fantastic podcast, which right now remind everyone where they can find you tell them about your show and uh, where they can chase you down
2: yeah you know uh, my podcast is cork stats and it's on all of the major ones and uh yeah we're going through a bit of like a format change but I, I think it's been cool because I, I've actually done a couple of special interviews and if you're interested in that kind of stuff we were talking about x stats And the language barrier it's created. And I had Ethan Katz, who's the pitching coach for the Chicago White Sox on. And then just recently had Rob Friedman, Pitching Ninja, and Twitter Goat, you know, on. And he's a really cool guy. and He's really in touch with the game. And I was very surprised, thinking he was going to be more of the pro extat side. And he ended up being on the pro human side. Not say I'm on either one, but it it was it's a really great interview. He he's much better than me. But it's a really great interview. Check it out. It's pinned to my Twitter stuff and check out the podcast. You know, I do game by game analytical breakdowns and then sometimes I have guests on. It's a little bit of everything. But yeah, if you're into fast talking and baseball, there's something for you.
1: Again uh, make sure you follow him at Twitter It's at MLB moving AVG And then uh, everyone follow me on Twitter If you don't if you're listening to the show you probably do But Matt Williams M-E-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-M-S Make sure to download the NBC Sports Edge app All the rookies come up injuries What have you get all the news first Trade deadline is coming up Get those push notifications thrown to your phone Uh, We'll be back next week With the weekend recap make sure to download Subscribe rate five stars circling the basis podcast We're here five days a week See everybody Cheers